Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcastone.com and iTunes. Hope everybody's doing well. And we got another good one for you this week. It is a conversation with a guy that, well, has been in the news quite a bit lately because KISS fans are salivating at the prospects of him returning to KISS. I'm talking about an interview with Ace Fraley, the band's original lead guitarist, who, uh, as you're about to hear, may once again be their next lead guitarist, or maybe not. We'll see. I have an interview coming up for you that sheds some light on that. Again, I fast-tracked this interview a little bit because there's been so much buzz and discussion about it. We'll get to that in just a second. A few things to tell you about. First of all, brand-new program going on, the Amazon Influencers Program. I now have my own storefront on Amazon.com. So here's what I'd like you to do. Take a look at it. Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. If you go there, you will see items hand-selected by me that may be of interest to you. And they're kind of like my little curated list, my store, my suggestions. They may be things that I talk about on this podcast. Maybe it's the latest item from one of the guests on this podcast or the most recent. And you can go there and get it at a great deal on Amazon, and you buy it right through my storefront, and it helps me out a little bit as well. So I appreciate you checking that out and bookmarking it. And then once you are on my storefront, feel free to go from there to anything else on Amazon and connect and shop away. So when you go to Amazon, go to Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Start there, see what I got in my store, and then go from there. And appreciate you doing so. And this way, you're going to get stuff that I've handpicked right there on the front page. And then again, if you want to go and and shop uh, for other stuff, you can do it right off of that area of my store. Currently in there, the Van Halen book, Running with the Devil. And I'll have an interview with the author and manager, Noel Monk, who wrote that book. There's a lot of discussion about that. That'll be coming up soon. You can grab that book. It's one I highly recommend. One of my favorite new albums out right now, the new album from Stone Sour, Hydrograd. That's featured on there as well. A lot of other cool things, and that'll change and update week to week. So once again, Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Bookmark it. Look at what I've hand-selected as things on sale and uh, for sale, I should say, on that page on my storefront. And then from there... You can go ahead and shop on other areas once you check it out. Once again, Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Thank you for your support there. So let's let's get into this a little bit before we talk about and you hear the interview with Ace Fraley today. By the way, Ace has a bunch of shows coming up 
including July 22nd, Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, a co-headline with Rat. And you also can check out Ace in his hometown of New York City, a show that has just been announced on September 16th at B.B. King's. And that show is on sale now, and that's a relatively small club. That one will likely sell out. So be sure to get on those tickets ASAP. But this is an interesting thing, what's going on with Ace Fraley and why people, and, and, and this is a case, you know, I would be the first to say if fans are just being crazy and out of line and what what the excitement is about is baseless. But nobody can blame any fan for being excited about the potential reunion of Ace Frehley with Kiss. Because look at the line of what's happened here. We have, and you got to remember, this is coming out of a couple years ago, major animosity between the members of Kiss around the time of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. That has clearly dissipated. Even when I went to see Peter Chris a few weeks ago in his final live performance, he said that he's let all the anger and resentment go, and he's moving on from that. As far as Ace is concerned, who has been at the center of all these rumors, look at the chain of events that we've had. We had Paul Stanley showing up on Ace's last record singing a song. Then it went a step further, and Paul showed up in the video for that song. Fire and Water. Then we had Gene Simmons, not very long ago at all, go to watch Ace play and stay for the entire night at a show in Los Angeles. Then, most recently, Gene Simmons shows up at Ace's house and they write two songs together. And the fifth and final cog that's got everybody crazy, if you want to believe that there's something to all this, is that Ace Fraley has lost about 30 pounds and looks great. Photo popped up online. That leading to the speculation that Ace has to drop weight in order to fit in the costume because he's going back to kiss. Now, all of that stuff will be covered in the interview you're about to hear with Ace. We tie hit on all of that. This interview was only done like two weeks ago, so it's not that old. So all of this, including him writing with Gene and what happened, will be covered in the interview you're about to hear, which, like almost all of my interviews, originated on my SiriusXM show on volume, which you can hear live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, on Channel 106 on Sirius XM, and that replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you have Sirius XM, it's also available on the app. And if you don't have Sirius XM, well, you should get it because I'm doing six live shows a week, and most of it is talk and interviews about rock music, and we're having a blast there. Here on the podcast, and I got to tell you, I appreciate the hell out of everybody listening to this podcast, but you're getting like one-sixth of what... (laughs) of what's happening on a daily basis. So uh, check that out. on Check out my show on volume. And I think you guys will not be disappointed and uh, hear from a lot of people that do listen and call in and get involved in that program. But anyway, back to Ace and what's happening here. After this interview originally aired that you're about to hear, there were a number of people that said to me, listen, Eddie, The guy, if he isn't, because Ace denies that he has anything and no knowledge of any KISS reunion. As you're about to hear, the weight loss is just because he felt he needed to knock off some pounds, and he did. And all the other stuff is just kind of organically happening. But Ace has a theory about it, and you'll hear from him about that in a second. But, I mean, you can't blame fans for looking at this lineage of activity and thinking something is up. And a lot of people said to me, listen, man, if he was going back to KISS, he couldn't tell you. He wouldn't be allowed to tell you until they're ready to announce it. Of course, he's not going to say it on your show. 
And I agree with that, and I get that. But you also got to remember, Ace is a guy that I have literally known and been friends with for 30 years now. And I can kind of get a read when he has to play cagey. It's happened a couple times in the time that we've known each other, the time of the original reunion back in 96. So I can kind of read between the lines a little bit. And I believe that Ace is telling the truth when he says, as you're about to hear, he doesn't know anything about potentially going back to the band. But he's, and the reason why I believe that is because he's very transparent here and has been about wanting to. You'll hear him say that he's healthier now after 10 years of sobriety by far than when he was with the original reunion, which happened 21 years ago. So I believe him when he doesn't know and doesn't has not been approached formally about going back to the band. But I also think that he may be end up being the last guy to know. And also, as you're about to hear, Ace says that the whole thing is, as usual, driven by money. And if the guarantees get to a certain point, he'll get a phone call from Gene and Paul. So this is a very, very candid and honest appraisal from Ace as to what is happening here, as you're about to hear. Now, from where I sit, and this is not me talking from any position of inside information, I have said consistently, I believe there will not be a reunion with Ace and Kiss. Now, I hope I'm wrong, but... I just don't feel that happening. So then people say, okay, well, then what the hell is this all about? I think it's about a few things. No matter how much stuff goes on between these guys, there is a deep-seated brotherhood because of what they did and what they started. All four of them, thankfully, are still alive. And I think there's a, every once in a while, you know, you, you, you think back to the old times and you think about the great things you did. And it's like, hey, maybe it'd be good to kind of reconnect a little bit again. And I think that's part of it. There's also the discussion about, well, what's going on here now that Gene has stepped into the picture? Well. Anybody that knows anything knows there is also a competitive relationship between Gene and Paul, and there is definitely an internal tension that has existed between those guys for a long time. I mean, just look at some of the recent interviews, and there's some, always been some sniping back and forth between them. They're very different people. They are certainly business partners, and in the in the empire of kiss and that is definitely the case but i i th- there's definitely internal stuff ego politics positioning attention things like that that go on between those two guys without question anyone that really knows them and anyone you will talk to on the inside and i have talked to people very recently who would very much have knowledge of it, and and they'll and they've said to me it's at a, a, a quite a high level right now of this sort of um, you know push pull and competitive thing between those two and difference of opinions and stuff like that. On the surface, they're always going to be business partners and make things happen, but they're very different people. They also each now have their own sidebands. In case you haven't noticed. Paul is doing this R&B thing. Gene has his own solo band that by all accounts is really good. So there's a competitive thing going on. If you haven't seen that already and you haven't hasn't hit you like a nail like a ton of bricks, it's there. No coincidence, Paul starts a side band. Well, here's Gene's side band. So what do you think happens when Paul does these things with Ace? Fans talk about it, get some attention. And now, because Ace said he called Gene to be on the record, too, and Gene never got back to him. Now, all of a sudden, Gene's sitting there saying, all right, 
Paul did a cover song on Ace's record. Paul showed up in the video. I'm going to go one better. I'm going to write songs with Ace, which is exactly what he did. I'm going to go see Ace play, and people will be talking about that, which is exactly what happened. Now, this is only my analysis of this. I am not saying that I. this is fact. I'm not saying that it's anything more than my educated assessment of what goes on and how they operate and how they think. And I've ran this by a few people that know of the situation very intently, and they said you're probably 100% spot on. Nothing wrong with it. There's not, you know, there's nothing I'm saying here that's explosive or that, that anybody with a brain wouldn't be able to have seen develop over the decades. But now people are talking about Gene and his involvement with Ace. Like a little while ago, they talked about it with Paul. So I think a lot of this has to do with the competitive aspect of those two guys. But as you're also about to hear Ace say, these guys don't do anything by chance and by coincidence. So is there a little reconnaissance going on? little information gathering about Ace and his situation right now? Of course. But again, as Ace is about to tell you, it's all about money and always was. So if there's enough interest and promoters make an offer of a substantial enough amount, you may very well get a kiss reunion, at least with Ace. Now, will promoters make that offer? Will they get to that number that forces Gene and Paul's hand to make a call to Ace? We don't know. I mean, if you look at the draw of KISS and what they are, they do okay in America in what is described as soft ticket shows. For instance, this weekend, they're headlining one of three days at a festival in Chicago. Now, that is what a soft ticket show is meaning that it's not just about them. It's about a three-day event with 40 bands on it. They are headlining one of the days. That is what a soft ticket show is. It's not just about them. They've got the big name and the big logo at the top, but it's about all the other bands as well. So in those situations, KISS does good. A lot of bands do good. A lot of bands have a get a very inflated... Booking and billing and attendance on soft ticket shows. You can take a band that is a headliner on a festival, pull them off, and as a straight headliner with no-name support, they go from playing to 30,000 people headlining a festival to being good for maybe 1,000 tickets. That's the disparity. That's the smoke and mirrors of festival billing. So in America, and I can't speak for what happens to KISS outside of, the, of America because I don't live there and I don't follow it. But in America, that's what KISS is now. They're going to get their corporate gigs. They're going to be a soft ticket festival headliner. As a pure headline, in most places in the country, and by pure headline, I mean They are the only name act on the bill. It's them and an unknown opening band. That's truly headlining. Kiss really can't do that anymore. They cannot sell tickets to that level anymore. They do not have that draw anymore. They just don't. Anyone that's telling you they do is lying. Kiss, with their current lineup, can in no way go out and play 15,000, 20,000-seat arenas, again, with no other name act on the bill. Not talking about these co-headline things in the sheds in the summer. Two, three bands playing the amphitheaters. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about arena touring. And a lot of bands can't, quite frankly. Now, Kiss might go in these tertiary markets and play these small college hockey arenas. That's different. I'm talking about truly 
headlining and selling out 15, 20,000-seat arenas across the country with no-name support act. So they are not anywhere near the level of draw they were at the time of the original reunion tour when they would do that and go in and sell three nights in an arena. It's just, you're just being, it's just kidding yourself or, or they're selling you something if you think they can do that. Kiss could not go to Madison Square Garden and play a couple nights tomorrow and sell it out with no name opening act. They did four nights sold out with no name opening act with the original band. So the point of the matter is there is definitely interest and there would be interest and additional draw if, in fact, they did a reunion. How much? I don't know. It would not be to the level it was in 96 by any stretch. Even if Ace and Peter came back, I don't think it would be quite there. It would certainly be more than what they're capable of doing now. But then the question comes in, well, why do they need to do this? They already have more money than you can possibly comprehend. They've got all the merchandising. They've got all the empire. They've got everything going already, Gene and Paul. Why even bother? Why There's no need to do it at this point in their career. They're in their mid-60s. Is it even worth it? Do they need to? And that's a question only they can answer. And that's why I think in what you're about to hear with Ace, he says, if the numbers get big enough, they'll have to call me. So he's really putting the onus on whether a reunion happens or not on promoters. Feeling that a tour with Kiss, with Ace Frehley, would, would, be, would be enough of a kick that they would offer substantially more money than they would for KISS in their current lineup. So it always comes down to business. It's all about business, and that's where this whole thing sits. And in due time, we will find out if this is going to happen. If I'm a betting man, I say it doesn't. But there are a lot of people that feel it might, and I hope I'm wrong because I'd like to see it one last time. Where and if Peter Chris slots into all of this, I don't know. He has not been talked about as potentially coming back to the band. There's been no interaction with the former members with Peter. Also, is and that's discussed with with Ace in the again in the interview coming up. And Peter has just done what he's called his final performance in the U.S. But, but I don't think Peter could do a tour, and I think he would agree at this point. A tour five nights a week would be way too hard on him. But I'll say this. Having just seen him do that final show, he could he could do a show, a final final show, or a few songs or a part of a set. Of that, I'm confident because he played so well and sang so well in this show. And who knows? I mean, if they ever try to do the full thing again, I mean, maybe he could. Maybe he could. But I, I, I think that he could, where no one was sure what he could or couldn't do. Having seen this show he just did a few weeks ago, it was very impressive. And I think that if Peter put his mind to it, he could do whatever he wanted to. So that's another part of all this. The way I would see it going down if anything happened would be they do a, a handful of dates or a run with Ace. And then maybe the final, final, final show, Peter gets up and plays the set or plays some songs. I don't know. It's all wishful thinking. It's all speculation. Right now, we only have the facts. And the facts are Gene has written two songs with Ace. Gene went to see Ace. Paul is on Ace's record. Paul was in Ace's video. And Aces dropped some weight. The rumor mill is at a fever pitch. There is no way Gene or Paul could not think this was going to happen from KISS fans. And for all the times they try to tell you it doesn't matter who's in KISS, anyone can be in KISS, well, here is all the proof you need that it does matter 
who's in KISS because, again, the fan rumor mill is at fever pitch about the prospects of Ace Frehley returning to KISS. Will it happen? We will find out. And you will get Ace's take on it in a couple minutes coming up on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, but I wanted to give you my take before we change gears and let Ace talk and give you his take. Because a lot of people ask me about my take. So there you go. Uh, Guns N' Roses, before we get to the Ace interview real quick, Guns N' Roses playing a private show at the Apollo in New York City for Sirius XM. One week from tonight, if you're listening to this on post day, Thursday, that'll happen on July 20th. Been giving some tickets away on my SiriusXM show. It's been awesome. People have been going crazy trying to get in there. And I will be there, and I'll have a, a role. I cannot announce it just yet, what I'm going to be doing, but I will be uh, involved in that, and I'm looking forward to it greatly. Don't forget my terrestrial radio show on great radio stations across the country each and every weekend. Full list under live and on the air on my website. My website is eddytrunk.com. Social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please be sure to follow on Twitter for info and updates up to the second. All right, so uh, let's get to it, huh? How about we spend a little time talking with the one and only Ace Fraley about his recording plans, writing with Gene, and just what the hell is going on about a possible KISS reunion. That is next on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. True Car, I've been telling you about them. You got to check it out. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. And unfortunately, a lot of times that isn't the case. People configure cars online, and later on they find out that they're not available. What's the point of that? With TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer, and not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer, carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Using TrueCar, you'll easily find the car you want, Then TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and now you know what a fair price is. You can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are over 13,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. You'll work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer contact. TrueCar users, check this out. Likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with the True Car Certified Dealers and save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Have you heard Spike's Car Radio? It's comedian, actor, writer Spike Ferriston sitting on the porch in Malibu talking with some cool people about cool cars and life in general. My first guest is Jerry Seinfeld. He's right here. He was all right. Don't try to hug him. Chris Hardwick. I could feel everything on the road. I mean, it was right. basically like, it was like unprotected sex for driving. Could... <laughs> Jeremy Piven. I hold you know what? I think years. you and Jerry are spiritually tied to cars, <laughs> and I respect it and I love it, but I don't quite get it yet, but I want to get it. Download new episodes of Spike's Car Radio every Wednesday on the Podcast One app, or save time and subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or at PodcastOne.com. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. All right, let's get to it. My friend of nearly 30, more than 30 years, in the 30th anniversary of the uh, first Fraley's Comet record just recently, the one and only Ace Fraley... This comes from my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, heard daily, Monday through Friday, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, all rock talk each and every day on Channel 106 volume. show is called Trunk Nation, and that is where this interview you're about to hear with Ace Fraley that made a ton of news originated a couple of weeks ago. Enjoy. What's going on, buddy? 
How are you, man? <laughs> Been a little bit. I'm great. <laughs> Things good with you? Hello? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I, I, me and Rachel just drove in from Vegas last night. Where were you playing at? No, I wasn't playing. It was Rachel's birthday. So, you know, we spent a week in Vegas. You know, she was celebrating the big 5-0. Oh, wow. Well, happy birthday to Rachel. Yeah. Well, she's still in bed, so I, <laughs> I didn't feel any need to wake her. <laughs> she must have been celebrating pretty hard then. <laughs> well, you you know how we celebrate these days. We we, we shop. You and, we gamble and we shop. You and I both love Vegas, man. I mean, I love that city. You and I have hung out there before. I mean, I love it there. And uh, and you you're good. You're pretty good at the tables, aren't you? Yeah, but to be honest with you, the, on this trip, I, I I just couldn't. You know, I was down about five thousand bucks, and I looked at Rachel and I said, "We got another five thousand to play with. What do you want to do?" She goes, "Let's go shopping with." The last three hours we were in town before we drove home. <laughs> well, at least you got something to show it was for a it. Very good move because I'd rather go shopping than give it to the casino. You know, if you're not lucky. You know, maybe it's better you just, you know, lay back. Well, that's my favorite city, and I got to tell you, when I go there now, the last three, four times I've gone there, I haven't, I've stayed there for like a week, and I don't gamble at all anymore. I just hang out because, same thing, I, it hurts too much when I leave there without my money. I just kind of gave up. Every once in a while, I'll play a little something here and there, but I usually don't gamble at all anymore when I go to these casinos. Well, you know, everybody does what works for them. I mean... Last year, me and her went to, well, we were hanging out at the Palazzo. I, I won about $25,000. What are you playing, Blackjack? Actually, I won it all on slots. Really? Yeah, but I was playing $10 slots, you know. I was playing like $50 a pop. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, you're playing you in... Know, you know, when, when you hit... When you're playing, you know, a, a five-coin machine, you know, with crisscross numbers, you know, you're playing $50 of a pull of the one-armed bandit, and, you know, if you hit something, you know, you get 1000 bucks, you get $1,500. You know, if you're paying for a dollar, you know, you get one-tenth of that. What was the most money you ever pl you ever won in your life playing in Vegas? I don't remember, but I know the most I ever won gambling was in Atlantic City. I won fifty grand on roulette. That's a pretty good day. That's a pretty good night for sure. And that was uh, a pretty. That was a. That was like one of the best days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you can see Ace because he'll be performing in Vegas. Uh, you're on this festival uh, the weekend of august 18th psycho vegas with a bunch of eclectic bands so i'm sure you'll you'll not only turn in a, a great performance with your band there but another opportunity to go get a little gambling in yeah if i feel the need to i think i think we're performing on the 20th if i'm not mistaken right the, the festival kicks off the evening of the 18th and then i think the bands really start playing 19 20 and 21 think you're on the Saturday. I think you're on the Saturday night, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have it in front of me, but I think you're on the Saturday. I think it's the 20th. Yeah. But, you know, don't hold me to that if I'm wrong. <laughs> and uh, and every, everything's good. You know, I started working on the new the new studio record, and, and that's coming along great. I got Gene actually came down to the house, Mr. Simmons. Well, I know I want to talk about all that. First of all, tell me about how that happened. I mean, uh, what what's the story there connecting with Gene? And you wrote some songs with him? You know, everybody thinks, what's this gigantic story? I called him up and I said, Gene, you want to write a few songs? He said, sure. You know, because he had come to my show at the Saban Theater in Los Angeles with John Five. And that's when we kind of reconnected and bonded a little. And then I, you know, I just shot him an email. I said, come on, let's write some songs together for my new record. Next thing you know, he's down here. And within three hours, we had written two songs together, which was like a record for me and him. 
You guys never really did much writing together in Kiss, did you? I mean, there, I, there's not much that you guys did together back in the in the in the day, did you? We did a lot more than than people are aware of, but it's uncredited. You know, for for instance, like uh, I wrote Cold Gin, you know, but I didn't really have a bridge or a breakdown section for that song, and Gene's the one that wrote that whole section. That's all Gene. Really? But he never took credit for it. <laughs> it's probably the so, first thing. But hey, Ace, that's probably the first thing he ever did he didn't take credit for. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but we, we, had a, we had a fantastic time. He, you know, he came down, you know. We, we ate in the backyard while I was watering my palm trees and... Uh, <laughs> He was, he, was, he, was, he was going to Rachel, this is something new I've never seen before. You know, he's eating a sandwich and I'm watering a palm tree in my back. <laughs> <laughs> I so, could see uh, him in, Bermuda, in Bermuda shorts. Right <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I didn't understand because he, um, I, uh, He's mentioned the event on some radio station, and he said he had to, like, go. We lived somewhere in the desert. I don't know what he's talking We're only 10 minutes from the ocean, and it's all green and plush with palm trees. And <laughs> I don't know. We live in Rancho Santa Fe. It's like one of the most elite communities in the nation. Well, you're in the San Diego area, I guess, just because you took him out of L.A. He got He got a little thrown, I guess. I don't know. Throwing him a curveball, but you know, I just went on CNN Money and it said that Rancho Santa Fe is like number one as far as uh, the amount of wealth compared to the houses and stuff. Beverly Hills is number ten. All right, maybe Gene will be your neighbor next soon if he finds that out. <laughs> I sent Gene. I sent Gene the article, but he never got back to me on it. <laughs> So so take me through how this writing works. Like, he shows up at your house, you have a sandwich, you water your trees, and then what happens? He sits down with a guitar, you sit down with a guitar, does he throw something out at you, do you throw a riff out to him? Take me through how it went. Yeah. We, we just started jamming. We, we, we initially uh, each picked up an acoustic guitar, and we... we uh, I don't remember who came up with the beginning of the song, but you know, you know, one guy plays one thing and then I play another thing. You know, I think Gene actually came up with more ideas than I did, and I just kind of complimented them. And then I started writing lyrics for a song title, which I don't want to give away yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we kind of like took a break, and then. He started playing this bass line, and then he said, hey, let's play these three chords against it. And, uh, you know, within 30 minutes, we had a second song. It was, you know, I was uh, really pleased, and so was he. Now, you mentioned he came to see you, and I talked to John Five about this. I know John and, and Gene came to see you when you played with your band in L.A. not too long ago, and you mentioned you guys reconnected, and John said that everybody hung out and everything. What was that like? Because, you, you know, you had mentioned you reached out to Gene to be on the Origins record, and you never heard from him. Tell me about the reconnection with Gene when he showed up at your concert. Gentleman, he was really friendly to everybody and uh, took photographs with everybody backstage. And he stayed till the very end of the show. And uh, I was I was actually getting ready to go into the bus and do my meet and greets. And he goes, "You want me to hang out?" <laughs> I said, "No, Gene. You, you know, I'm going to be stuck in the bus for 45 minutes doing meet and greets." Uh, and I just I thanked him very much for coming down and being so pleasant to everyone. And it was just a all around great evening. And he seemed enthralled with the show. I was asking everybody questions about me. I guess he's still wondering if I'm a drunk or not. But you know it's been over ten years, so <laughs> that that's kind of like beating a dead horse. Right. <laughs> Was there any talk of him possibly getting up and playing with you at that show? Did you guys have a discussion about that, or you just didn't feel it would be right? Well, he actually got there before me. You know, 
Since I left Kiss, I, I like getting to, you know, with Kiss I had to get to the show two hours before the concert and start applying the makeup and the costume and doing the hair, the whole nine yards. But, you know, ever since I left Kiss, you know, I like showing up 10, 15 minutes before the show and I'm wearing what I'm going to wear on stage. And, you know, because when I have to sit around too much, it drains my energy. So I got there like 15 minutes before I was going on stage, and Gene was already there chatting with people. And uh, I asked him if he wanted to get up and do a song. He goes, no, 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 tonight, tonight's your night. So uh, I, didn't, I didn't push the, uh, push the subject, you know. So when is your plans to record this new record? What's the timetable like for that? Well, I've already started recording, and after the 4th of July, we're going to go full force. You know, I have a studio now built in the new house here in Rancho Santa Fe. I built a drum room, and I upgraded all my equipment, and, uh, you know, I got like a 20-by-20-foot room with a 12-foot ceiling. So it's, uh, it's a great control room. And then the drum room's in the garage right right next to that room, so we just put a little hole in the wall and, and threw a snake through the uh, wall. So we got all the mics coming right into all the preamps, and uh, it's 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 working really nicely. You know, Alex uh, Salzman, my engineer, you know, did most of the wiring. All right, so let me let me let me get to right to this now because I want to talk to you about Love Gun, which came out forty years ago today. In a second, but before we do, one other thing I got to tell you: you know as well as I know that the Kiss fans are in a frenzy right now, and you can't blame them because when you look at the arc of what's happened here, Paul shows up on your record. Paul shows up in the video for your for the song from your record. Gene shows up at one of your concerts. Now Gene writes a couple songs with you. I mean, you got, you got, whether you know anything or not, you got to know that how this looks to fans and it's getting them really, really lathered up about you potentially doing shows again with Kiss. What can you tell us on that front? Have, has anybody talked to you about doing anything with the band again? I, I can only be honest with you. You know, it's something I haven't pushed and it's something that Paul and Gene haven't brought up to me. You know, I'm just going to let, you know, nature take its course, you know. If the fans demand it, it'll probably get to a point where they're not going to be able to say no. But, you know, I've always said, you know, they'll be fine what, with what they're doing, you know. I'll be fine on my own. You know, I got a great solo band. You know, we tour the world. You know, we're, we're touring Australia again with Alice Cooper in October. So, I mean, whatever happens, you know, one way or the other, well, everybody's going to be fine. But you know, if 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 by if by chance Paul and Gene decide to you know bring me back in the fold and, and do a world tour, you know, I think that could be great too if it was handled correctly. So, but I haven't been approached. No, honestly. So, so there, then you've told me that consistently. I should tell the audience both privately and publicly. You've said that consistently. I know. Fans think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. But let, let me ask you this, Ace, and, and I believe you when you say they haven't approached you because you may be the last person to know if they make that decision, and they've denied it up to this point in all the press when they've been asked. But but let me ask you this. Do you think, knowing the way they both operate, that doing these things is almost kind of like reconnaissance, is almost kind of like kicking the tires, and they can kind of go back and compare notes a little bit and said you know, and do their homework and, and think if it's viable and think if you can handle it and think, get the proof that you are sober and that they've got contact with you again. Do you think there's anything greater to these sort of connections they're having with you? Or do you think this is all very innocent and they just kind of want to reconnect with you on the levels they are? Do you think there's a bigger play in their mind behind, behind their, their, their heads? I don't think Paul and Gene do anything innocently. You know, I think there's a motive behind everything they do. And, and they're driven by money, let's be honest. And they'll be the first to admit it. You know, and, you know, Rachel said to me, uh, do you really think there might be a reunion? You know what? I, and I said to her, honestly, you know, you know when there's going to be a reunion? When promoters call up Doc McGee and Paul and Jean and offer them multi million dollar figures. 
You know, it's all about money. You know that, and I know that. Of course you know? it is, yeah. Yeah, and all so, you need... Yeah, I mean, you know, if a promoter calls up Doc McGee and says, you know, we'll give you $200 million, you know, and do a six-month tour, you know, I'm going to get a phone call. If that doesn't happen, I may not. You know, who knows? And then, but, you know, like I said, well, either way, you know, everybody's going to be fine. Right, but in, for anybody to to make the claim that it wouldn't matter and that it doesn't matter is ludicrous because all you need to do is to see how much fans would care about this is see the temperature of what's happening right out there now with the kiss fans they're at i've been hearing this for months i mean they're at a fever pitch about this and that's all you need to know to show how much people do care about you being in that band and how much people would like to see it one last time. You know, the interesting thing about this, too, is the fact that there was talk about the viability of just if this ever did happen, you just coming back versus a full reunion with Peter. And, you know, Peter just did his what he call, called his last live performance in New York a, a couple weeks ago. I was there. And it went really, really well, and I was very happy for him. I thought it was a great night for him. And I don't know if there's anything bigger to the picture with him, but what going into that, and Peter admitted, hey, I'm 71. I don't know how I couldn't do big tours or anything anymore. But Peter really got himself in shape and played really well at that last show. So I don't know if he factors into this at all. I would have said there wasn't a chance he could do it, but having seen him play a set a couple weeks ago. I don't think he could do a tour, but he could get through a show. I think, what do you think about Peter and what he's done? Have you been in touch with him at all? I haven't been in touch with Peter to be honest with you, but I heard very good things about his, his supposed final show. But I mean, let's face it. How many, how many rock stars have said they were retiring and then, you know, get, get um, an offer and come back out of retirement, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like we we can count we can, we can't count them on our fingers and our toes. I know. <laughs> I know. So but, you know, I really think it's I really think it's all about the fans. I mean, if it's going to happen, you know, I think we're all going to do it for the fans. It's amazing and, because you know, well, well, because the other day, Ace, which I didn't realize, just like two days ago, was the twentieth. Was it the twentieth? or 22nd anniversary, or the 20th anniversary, something like that, of the first reunion show at Tiger Stadium, which I was at. It's hard to believe that was 20 years ago, 21 years ago already. And you know what? I'm healthier today than I was then. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> it's crazy. Did you, see, did you see the photo of me on Facebook? No, I haven't, but a lot of people made mention of it because, again, that's another thing that's playing into these fans going crazy, that you're going back to KISS because they said you looked great and you dropped a ton of weight, and they're like, well, that's why he's doing it because he's getting ready to fit into the costume. <laughs> well, I just I dropped the weight because my back was starting to bother me, and I got tired of, you know, reading comments like, wow, Ace is still eating the cheeseburgers. <laughs> so... I just, you know, I looked at Rachel and I said, you know, I'm going to drop 20 pounds. And uh, my good friend Ronnie Mancuso, who was a good friend of yours also, yeah. you know, he dropped 47 pounds on this diet. I know. They, he... So he turned me on to this diet, and I'll, let, I'll turn everybody else onto it that, uh, that's in the listening audience. I just gave up all carbs, all bread, and all sugar. Yeah, it's called paleo or something like that. I saw Ronnie. I saw Ronnie. I saw Ronnie in Vegas. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I lost 20 pounds in six weeks. That's amazing. And Ronnie's family owns a great Italian restaurant in Vegas called the Bootlegger Bistro. So the fact that he's can stay away from pasta and bread and be in that restaurant every day is amazing. So good for him oh, and you. Yeah. Well, Ronnie's a miracle. You know, the last time he was here, me and him were just floating around in my pool laughing our asses off just talking about old times and uh, you know vegas and he was talking about early vegas because his family was there in the very beginning yeah well i think they started they settled in vegas in the 20s or 30s so you lost weight because you wanted to look better and worried about your back not because you got to fit into a costume <laughs> well you know 
know, if the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to lose weight because I wanted to you know, go out on tour this summer and, you know, not have any back problems and, and feel and look my best. And, uh, you know, I have much more energy now. Well, you know, your, your weight is fluctuating. You, you know how you feel oh, yeah. when you drop some weight. You yeah. have more energy and you feel more energetic, you know? Yeah. All right, so just in closing on this KISS thing then, you know nothing, you're just going about your business and you haven't heard a word from them about anything more than just – reconnecting with your two year old buddies and bandmates. That's all this is about in your eyes right now. That's all I've heard. You know, I, I haven't been approached to better reunion, although I, I, I might be, who knows? And, you know, I, I think it could be a great thing for the fans. You know, even if I didn't want to do it, I would do it for the fans because we owe it to them. Well, I, I can, I'm a fan myself, so I can speak for all the fans to say one last time would be pretty amazing. And uh, if, if they try to say, well, nobody really cares, that's just ridiculous because they're not, they don't have the pulse of what's going on with the, most of the KISS fans out there around the world. Hey, Ace, I want to put you on hold for one second, and then I want to come back and I want to yeah. talk for a couple minutes about Love Gun because it's the 40th anniversary of Love Gun, which is a very pivotal record for you as well. So we'll, we'll take a quick break here. We'll put Ace on hold, and we'll come right back a few minutes talking the 40th anniversary of the KISS album Love Gun with a guy who was a huge part of that record and a huge part of the history of KISS, the one and only Ace Fraley. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, Alone is back with a crazy new twist and being together never felt so alone. Are you watching Alone on History? I certainly hope you are. Some amazing stuff going on there. This season brings viewers back to the North Vancouver Island, or to North Vancouver Island, I should say, where the threat of predators is fiercer than last season, and the weather is the harshest they have seen yet. Alone is really tremendous. This is its fourth season and this time around, the rules have changed a bit. Ten hardcore survivalists will be dropped into the unforgiving wilderness, and that is where the similarities with previous seasons end. Check it out. There is amazing stuff going on. Extreme conditions, endurance tests, survival, ingenuity, suffering, high stakes, mother nature. The show is really innovative. It's really amazing. And at stake is $500,000 awarded to the team that can last the longest. You got to check it out alone. Be sure to see it. It is on History with all new episodes Thursdays, 10, 9 Central. There are 120,000 unsolved murder cases in America. It was the next day that I found out from my parents what had happened, that my sister was killed. Each one is called a cold case. Sometimes you have to look really closely to find the evidence. Damn, I, I killed her. Damn it, I killed her. Cold Case Files, the podcast. Garcia is walking into the home of a real monster. I was nervous. I realized what kind of person I was dealing with. It's a goosebump moment. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Having a great conversation with Ace Fraley right now, talking about all sorts of stuff. And before I let Ace go, I do want to pick up the conversation with what is the 40th anniversary today of a landmark album in Kiss history, for a lot of reasons, it was the band at the height of their power and their uh, popularity. It was also, and still stands to this day, as the last Kiss record to feature all four original members on the entire record playing what they're supposed to be playing. And it was the singing debut of Ace Fraley on the song Shock Me. And with that, Ace, looking back for you 40 years later on Love Gun, what are your recollections about the record? Because, you know, working with Bob Bezin was a real trip. Because uh, he kind of like, uh, he treated us in the beginning like we were these beginners and really didn't know that much about music because he was a schooled, uh, he was a schooled,
school musician, went to college for that, and, you know, had all his chops, and, you know, played concert piano and stuff. And he kind of like, you know, I mean, I remember days when we were sitting in a classroom. But Ace, 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 I hate to cut you off, buddy. And we've, in the 30 years I've known you, this has happened, and you know I love you. But you're talking about Destroyer, and we're talking about Love Gun. <laughs> you know what? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, love, love Gun, gun was Eddie Kramer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well. <laughs> You know, I, I've only been up for an hour and a half, so, you know, you got to cut me some slack on that. I was talking about Destroy, you're talking about Love Gun. Love Gun was a great record. It was a lot of fun to do. And it was the first time you sang, which was for Shock Me. So what are your recollections about that? Well, I sang, everybody knows the story. I was really nervous about singing my first lead vocal, and uh, Eddie Kramer lowered the lights in the studio, and I sang the lead vocal on my back, laying on the carpet. <laughs> and that was just because you were more comfortable? Yeah. Well, I, I had no, you know, you got to understand, here, here I am in this super group, you know, you got three lead singers, Paul, Gene, and Peter, all who have strong voices, you know, and I never considered myself a singer. And to be honest with you, to this day, I still don't. You know, I sing out of necessity, not because I really love being a lead singer. When you so it, it, was, it was a little nerve-wracking for me, but I, I remember doing the lead vocal at Madison Square Garden, and that really gave me... You know, that gave me the nerve to continue on as a lead singer. And then I wanted more after that, you know? When you recorded, yeah, I was going to say, when you recorded Shock Me, and you did, that was your first recorded lead vocal with Kiss on Love Gun, did you did you think when you wrote and recorded that song that it was going to be such an iconic song, that it was going to be really one of your signature songs? I wasn't sure. I mean, I knew it was a good song. I, I didn't know that, uh, what's, what's that group? I, I didn't expect them to rip off my song. <laughs> Buck Cherry? the group that ripped off, uh, shocked me. Buck Cherry for Lit Up. <laughs> yeah, they're, luck, they're, they're really lucky I never sued them. But <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know it was going to be an iconic song for me. You know, in the same in the same token, I didn't know New York Groove was going to be my biggest hit. I, I didn't even want to record that song, you know. But Eddie Kramer and his assistant pushed that song on me. They go, Ace, you got to do it, you got to do it. I go, well, let's let's record it and get the goddamn thing over with. And then, you know, who knew? It became my biggest hit, for, uh, you know. Yeah, Love Gun was uh, Love Gun was a uh, you know, and and again, I mean, as I mentioned, you would do other records with Kiss after that, but from there you'd go. The wheels started to come off a little bit because you did the solo records after Love Gun. You had the big success. You had the biggest solo record, and then from there you would transition to really doing a lot of lead vocals with Kiss. From there on, you'd had songs on Dynasty and Unmasked and The Elder and all this stuff. But as everybody has found out in retrospect, those records really, you know, Peter wasn't on them or wasn't on every track. So Love Gun really stands as the last record, even counting the reunion record, Psycho Circus. Love Gun still stands to this day as the last record where all four original members actually played everything on it. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had Bob Ezrin yeah, producing it, so I figured I'd fill you in on that. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was very helpful. <laughs> but, you know, 40 years ago, a lot of water under the bridge, so, you know, you got to cut me some slack on that. I hear you. But, I mean, it was, it, it, was, it was a fun record. You know, what a lot of people don't realize, you know, when you record a record, a lot of times, you know, the whole band isn't always there. Right. A lot of times I'm doing my guitar solos and vocals with just me and the producer and vice versa, you know? In other words, I'm not going to come in and, and listen to Paul do a lead vocal. Right. I'd rather be out, you know, partying right. at the time. Right. <laughs> well, listen, so, man. Uh, God, it was what... a great record, and it was it was a landmark record for us. And my first vocal 
lead vocal rather, and uh, you know, I have very fond memories of that album. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you taking some time. Uh, send my send my best to your fiance on her birthday on on uh, and and keep us posted on what's going on Thank here. You. Hi, hi, Rachel. All the best. Hope you're doing well. You too, honey. And and Ace, if yeah, you. This Psycho yeah. Vegas thing that you're doing, there's a chance I might do my show from out there that week. If that gets confirmed, if you come out a little early, maybe come and sit in on a whole show out there with me. We'll do a show from Vegas. Okay, I'm not sure when I'm flying in, but you know, I'll keep that in mind. When are you going to come visit? You haven't seen my new house. I know. I'm going to get out there. I will. One of these days. I'll come do a show from your house. That'll be fun. Why not? That'll be cool. <laughs> So you can see Ace, some upcoming shows, some big dates, including July 22nd. He's at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood with Rat, uh, the Psycho Vegas show, which, again, is the uh, weekend of August 18th at the Hard Rock in Vegas. Go to com for more information and uh, and dates. And I'll call you soon, man. we got to catch up. I'll catch, catch We'll catch up on some stuff. But I appreciate you taking a few minutes today, buddy. My pleasure. Family good? Every, the wife and the kids are okay? Uh, all good. We just came back from an amusement park for in Orlando, and it was uh, unbelievably exhausting. So I'm happy to be back to work. <laughs> uh, I miss going to amusement parks. I can't go anymore. I get recognized, and I, then I get followed, and then it becomes a nightmare. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, man. i got to run. All right, my brother, and thank you, fans, for everything. Well, thanks to Ace for the interview and the time and uh, his perspective on some of the things going on. That's straight from the horse's mouth. And I believe Ace, again, I, I, I've heard people say, well, of course, he's not going to tell you the truth, man. And that may be the case. I admit that. But I, I think that he is. And we'll see if anything changes. And I think Ace was very candid and very transparent there about the stuff that he has going on and uh you know, he's got he's got his own shows. He's got a tour with Alice Cooper coming up in Australia and New Zealand. So I think he's very uh, open and honest about where things sit with him right now and about the fact that he would love to go back and play with the guys one more time and that it always comes down to money, and we will see where that money and if that money comes in and that offer comes in. If there's a promoter out there that puts up that sort of money, <laughs> you'll, he'll be getting the call, like he said. All right, thanks to Katie Irizarry. She's the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out my Amazon shop. Go to amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Featured items that I put in my storefront. And from there, you can look at those items. And then from there, go on and continue to shop Amazon. Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Bookmark it, shop through there, and take a look at my custom store updated Pretty much, you know, every time, every once in a while, we'll put some different things in there. You guys have a great week. Again, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website. And Katie Irizarry is the producer of the Eddie Trunk podcast. See you next Thursday for another all new episode.
guys, it's Richard Blaze. You've seen me on Top Chef and Master Chef, and now I'm starving for attention. My new show on Podcast One. Check out my interviews with Cutthroat Kitchens, Antonio Lafaso, and Jet Tila. But that's only the beginning. We've got more on the way from actor Lou Diamond Phillips, Bizarre Foods Andrew Zimmern, Top Chef host Gail Simmons, and so many more. So pull up a seat every Tuesday, or maybe just listen in your car on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.